Hey, everybody, this is Mike. Lauren is out this week, but we've got a special guest, and we're going to be talking all about Apple, so stick around. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. Lauren Good is out reporting this week, but I am pleased to say that I am joined here in the room by Wired Reviews editor Julian Chokatu. Julian, hello. Hello. It is very nice to be here face to face. (laughs) Sharing the same air. Yes. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, And here in California, it is quite warm. Yes, I came perfectly during a heat wave. I love it. (laughs) So we're recording this on Wednesday, the afternoon of September 7th. Just a few hours ago, Apple announced its new iPhone lineup, just like it does every September. Apple also announced a new rugged Apple Watch called the Ultra, along with the regular Apple Watches that we were expecting. Uh, Julian, I want to get right into it because you were there in person at Apple headquarters in Cupertino, but it was 97 degrees in Cupertino today. Is that right? Yes. Well, (laughs) it was going up to there. Uh, Thankfully, the Steve Jobs Theater is quite cool. It's underground. So uh, thankfully, you know, it was not too hot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the event was uh, pretty much exactly like the event back in 2019 it felt the same pre-pandemic the you know we had to send in a covid test the day before and upload that and someone some company certified that but no one had to wear a mask it was all optional mm. uh, some people did um but obviously like i would say 90% of people did not wear masks uh and it was you know sitting next to 100 other people in the theater and watching tim cook take the stage But this is where things deferred. Uh, Instead of an actual live event, like what maybe a lot of people thought might be happening finally, uh, it was all pre-recorded. So Tim Cook physically did come on stage for the first like minute. And then he cued the screen. And uh, just like WWDC, we were all in the theater watching a movie basically. A big infomercial, a big 90-minute infomercial. Pretty much. Uh, (laughs) A little weird. Uh, I mean, I know that, you know, it was popular, but I also feel like it would have been great if I flew in here that there was, you know, going to be an actual, normal, typical Apple event. But I don't know if that's ever going to come back at this point. It seems like they are very happy with how pre-recording tapes go. And I guess it's way less work for their part in terms of rehearsals or anything like that. So... Uh, it seems like, you know, pre-recorded Apple events are going to be the future. And it is kind of creepy to watch those pre-recorded videos because like all of the the narration is voiceover and they're like zooming in on people standing in the middle of the mountains or like people on busy subway trains and their voice sounds absolutely perfect. And like the lip syncing is eerily perfect. Everything about it is so clean. It really makes me miss the sort of unexpected factor that comes with a live event? Yeah, there's no awkward gaffes. There's no, you know, weird mistakes or anything like that. It It's so clean, so perfect, uh, very automated. You know, I guess that is what Apple has kind of <laughs> been known for. And I guess that's kind of good for them. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely not as fun as physically seeing people show up on stage and seeing what they have to say. We should talk about the iPhones first because we were all expecting the Apple Watch Ultra to really steal the show today. But the iPhone 14 Pro had some great features that were also pretty impressive. Yes. So (laughs) the biggest crazy feature on the iPhone 14 Pro is that the notch, the infamous iPhone notch, which started with the iPhone 10, is finally gone. Now, 
Like most Android phones, I will have to say, there is a hole punch cutout or a little pill-shaped thing that sits at the top center of the display. And that's where the Face ID camera is housed. Basically, it's a lot slimmer, takes up so much less space on the iPhone compared to like a notch. But Apple is doing some unique things with it. Uh, it's called the Dynamic Island. Is that, is that what it was called? Yes. Uh, it's confusing for me because I have a coffee shop next to my apartment back in Brooklyn called Trash Island. And that's all I think about when I hear Dynamic Island. So I think about Fantasy Island. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just a strange name, but I guess they're not wrong. It is an island in a sea of a display. There is a camera there. Uh, but what they're doing is they are optimizing the area around the camera to make it more useful when you're doing sort of passive things. So for example, if you start playing some music, now you'll see like a now playing kind of album art with some, uh, you know, the, the squiggly line for the music that's going through, uh, show up right on that little pill. Um, and let's say if you started a timer at the same time, now you'll see a little second circle showing up next to the pill that shows the timer. So that way in any app that you're in, you can quickly see that information. So also same thing for if you get a phone call and you switch, go away from the phone call screen, you can basically see, uh, press and hold that little dynamic island area and it'll sort of expand to show you more call controls and things like that. Honestly, I think it's a smart idea. It looks amazing and it feels very fluid, way better than a notch that kind of used to just take up a lot of space for not much of a reason other than, you know, face ID, but it was kind of dead space, but now they've kind of taken that around and made it very useful. So I really liked that. And also with the iPhone 14 Pro, similarly uh, with the display, it's now a always on display, which I will say Android phones have had for a <laughs> long time, yeah. but uh, it's nice to not have to, I guess, tap your phone and see the notifications or the time and you can always see it. Uh, and of course, if you don't want that, then you can turn it off or not have it turned on. So Earlier today when we were watching the presentation in the office uh, and reporting on it, somebody in the office asked me, like, what does always on display mean? And I pulled out my pixel to show them. Yes. Yeah. It has <laughs> been a long time and it's yeah. one of those things that you're just like, that's a weird headline feature for 2022. But yeah. um Cool. You know, awesome to see Apple finally get on board with it. I really do think that the dynamic island is something that's going to move the needle across all different phones. Like, I think you'll see more phones doing that now because it's very creative thinking. Yes. You know, like you said, taking this this area of the screen that has just been a dead zone and turning it into something that's actually kind of fun and interesting and useful. Yeah. I mean, we, the most we've seen on the Android side is some companies have a little light that goes around the little cutout so that you can indicate it when you're taking a video selfie or taking a photo. It sort of just lights up that circle to so that you know where to look basically. But yeah. no one has ever done something like this where it's actually way more than that and adding a lot more utility. So yeah. really cool. It also um, stands, I think, in pretty stark contrast to a lot of the things that other phone manufacturers have been doing around notifications, you know, like putting notifications on the back of the phone, making LEDs light up around the outside of the phone. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think this is definitely one of the best iterations and, and versions of that that we've seen. And uh, yeah, I'm waiting for uh, someone else to start copying that and, and doing the same exact thing on the Android side. Well, when's the next Samsung event? <laughs> Four months. <laughs> oh, did, I, did I just say that out loud? Uh, so I do want to talk about the cameras, especially on the Pro, because one of the things that Apple claimed uh, for the iPhone 14 Pro is that its camera now has a crazy big sensor that enables it to have twice the performance for low light photos 
and yeah, a lot of other stats that they named about you know what's improved. But the low light photos was the thing that really jumped out at me. Right. I mean, that is something that I will have to take some time to unpack because they basically called it a photonic engine. I have <laughs> zero clue what that means. Uh, I believe it's like just a restructuring of how they do image processing. And basically they're saying two times better low light performance for all the cameras. And in general, with the hardware and software combined, you can expect much better, brighter, uh, sharper photos. Yeah, yeah. But with the iPhone 14 Pro, for the first time ever, the primary camera is no longer a 12 megapixel sensor. Mm -hmm. So for the first time now, it's a 48 megapixel sensor, which again, I will say that a lot of Android phones have multi-megapixel cameras. Uh, having more megapixels doesn't always mean that you're going to get a better photo, but uh, you know it's Apple, and I would assume that they've leveraged the bigger sensor, the more megapixels to deliver nicer, sharper images. Yeah. Um, they are doing what all the other Android phone makers are doing, uh, which is a feature called pixel binning. Mm. And basically what that means is they're merging the pixels so that they can absorb more light, and then you'll still end up with a 12 megapixel image. So your file sizes might be a little bigger, but they should be quite similar to what you've already experienced, but they did say that if you go into pro raw mode and shoot in that mode for uh, you know more control over your images, you can actually shoot in the complete 48 megapixel mode and get like the super high fidelity uh, images that you, you probably want. So uh, there's options, but basically it was just one of those things where you really have to just sit and use it and see what it's like to see how much better it is than the predecessors. Right. And we should note that the phones are coming out later this month. Yes. So I believe you can pre-order them all starting on Friday. Uh, weirdly, all of the phones are going to be available officially on September 16th, except for the iPhone 14 Plus, which is another thing that maybe we should quickly mention <laughs> is that, yeah, there's no iPhone 14 mini. There is just an iPhone 14 Plus. Uh, and I assume that's because the iPhone 14 or the iPhone 13 mini and the iPhone 12 mini were just not popular and people want big screens. So now there's an iPhone 14 Plus and it's 6.7 inches just like the iPhone 14 Pro Max. Yeah. It's all very confusing now. Yeah. It's just like way too many different names. Uh, but that one is going to be available on October 7th. So it's coming a little later. I assume there's some supply chain constraints or something. But um, I mean, I will say though that the iPhone 14 versus the iPhone 14 Pro you know, there's almost very little that's new in the iPhone 14. So if you were looking to upgrade from an iPhone 13, absolutely do not do that. I think yeah. there's it's using the same chip as last year, except, you know, with an extra graphics core or something. So it's a little more powerful, but pretty much the same phone as last year's iPhone 13, I'd say, uh, with some improvements to the camera. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to unpack the rest of Apple's announcements. All right, I think we've said about all the interesting things that there is to say about the phones. So let's talk about the watches. You got to wear the watches at the hands-on area after the event. Yes. You got to strap them onto your wrist and hold them. Yes. Look at them closely. What stood out to you? Um, well, can I start by saying that nothing about the Series 8 stood out to me? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a great Apple Watch for most people. And everyone, if you want to upgrade to that, then go ahead. Uh, but obviously the, the one that 
you know, the thing we have to talk about is the Apple Watch Ultra, which was yeah. rumored to be called Apple Watch Pro. But of course, we need a new name. You know, everything's pro nowadays. So yeah. Ultra is a huge watch. I believe it's 49 millimeters. So it's pretty big. Uh, I have larger wrists, so I f- it felt fine to me. The Alpine strap is really nice, very soft and thin, and it was almost like putting on a little shirt. Uh, it was really nice. And it didn't feel too heavy or bulky. Really like the fact that the entire edge of the smartwatch is protected by the titanium case. And so there's no worry of like, you know, if you accidentally hit your wrist on a wall that you kind of scratch the screen or something like that. And, you know, it's just like the most rugged thing ever. It's super protective, uh, very strong. It has super accurate GPS. It has better diving, you know, water resistance. So you can take it to up to 40 meters, I believe. All of these features that are clearly meant for the most active people on the planet, uh, which, you know, unfortunately, my fear is that, you know, everyone's going to want the Apple Watch Ultra because it's just cool and different. Um, yeah, and probably. You absolutely should not get it, though, because it's $799 and it's expensive. Uh, obviously, the killer feature here on this is the fact that they're claiming 36 hour battery life, and Apple, you know, the Apple Watch generally has had poor battery life. So I think a lot of people will flock to this just to be able to have better battery life, although they did introduce a new low power mode, which will increase the standard Apple Watch Series 8's battery to 36 hours while disabling certain key features like auto workout detection. But the Apple Watch Ultra standard battery life is 36 hours, according to them. So I think a lot of people just will upgrade to that for the mere fact that they can have an Apple Watch that they don't have to charge every day. Yeah. We should note that when the next version of watchOS comes out, that low power mode that extends the battery life will also go back to older watches, I think up to series four and later, series five and later. Right. right? Yeah. So you don't have to upgrade if you want that extra feature. Honestly, it is kind of weird that they haven't had some type of a low power mode until now. But yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the battery life is still a pretty big deal, I think, because like 36 hours is good for like an all day hike or maybe a an overnight camping trip, like a one overnight camping trip. And even if you put the ultra into low power mode to get the 60 hours, that's still like less than three days. Right. And, you know, obviously, you know, Adrian, so our colleague constantly talks about how Garmin's can last for weeks, if yes. not more. So, yeah, they still aren't really capturing a particular type of audience that just wants a watch that can last for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. But this is a step forward. Um, You know, it does suck that you have to spend this much and also have to get such a huge thing to be able to to last that long. But um, hopefully that means that next year we'll see some type of improvement that comes down to the standard Apple Watch that maybe the battery life for that one will be two days. Yeah. You have to switch wrists every other day if you buy an Apple Watch Ultra so that your <laughs> one arm doesn't end up bigger than exactly. the other. Uh, I mean, it, it is a step forward. It's also a step in a new category because the price of it, $799, that puts it into what the smartwatch world calls the premium smartwatch category. Right. Uh, and Apple dominates the sub $500 smartwatch category. They own something like 36% of the market share there. But when you get into premium, the main brand is Garmin because Garmin sells a lot of watches between $500 and $1,000. Right. So Apple Watch Ultra is going to start competing for that space and may very well dominate that space and relegate Garmin to second place there. But I think it's important to note that like, you know, they're going after this category 
of watches that have all of these crazy capabilities. But those watches that, that Apple's competing against, they're not Apple watches. They don't have the nice UX. They don't run apps. Right. And I think that's where they're going to maybe win out in the end. You know, better connectivity with the iPhone, more seamlessness, uh, better user interface. All of that stuff, I think, is definitely going to contribute to a lot of people maybe not caring about that their Garmin can last for a whole another week than the Apple Watch Ultra. But it just looks nicer. It looks better. And uh, they'll just go for that. <laughs> love the bright orange. Yeah. It, no, it really does look nice. Uh, I love like the sort of flat sides to it. The overall design in general looks really attractive. But it's just, you know, it's the same price as an iPhone 14. Yeah, and, exactly um, the same price as an iPhone. It's just kind of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you know how it is. Yeah. If you want it, you're going to buy it. I know. No matter who you are. Yes. I mean, I am happy that I will have no urge to buy it because I am nothing like Adrian, our colleague. Right. I'm, I'm not going on three-day hikes or anything like that. Um, or five-day hikes. Or five-day hikes. Or dives in the yes, ocean. I'm or you don't own a boat. No. Uh, I just scooter around New York. And that's yeah. the most <laughs> I do. So, uh, but I'm sure I will see tons of people in New York with an Apple Watch Ultra. Absolutely. So. And here in the land of all birds, we will see a lot of them. Yes. I know that for sure. I'll see a lot of them on my daily runs. That's for sure. But no, the, the orange is such a great move because it, you know, not only is it nice to have something that's brightly colored in the outdoors, you know, just because when you're covered in snow or when you're underwater, it really pops. Yeah. But also it's just so badass. Yeah. Also the feature that you can switch the display to go into that red color so that it's easier visibility. All you have to do is it, it only works with the Wayfinder watch face at the moment. So you have oh, to okay. use that. But you just scroll the crown down and it just switches to that mode and everything looks, well, it's supposed to make it look easier to read um, yeah. in certain conditions. And it doesn't blow your night vision. Yes. So like if your eyes have adjusted to the dark, looking at a red light is fine. Right. It, right. Won't, it won't make you have to readjust. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it just looks very slick and it was very nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a really nice watch and I just wish Apple had brought some of that stuff over into the Series 8 to make that watch feel a little, a little, little more distinct. The, the Series 8 does have a cool new back case that matches the color of the front. Is that right? I have no idea. <laughs> That's how little <laughs> I basically, I just, you know, threw that out of my mind. Apple right. Watch Ultra, I focused on that. Uh, I will say, you know, the Series 8 does have new features like car crash detection was another big thing. That was another big theme throughout the event. Uh, oh, God. Car crash detection. They SLS scared the shit emergency. out of everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, I will say that, you know, the whole theme of the event was supposed to be far out. The invites had these celestial, you know, galaxies and stars all over. I was hoping for some type of like stargazing type feature or astrophotography, like astrophotography mode. mode. Yeah. No, it's just you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. And that's what all of Apple's new gadgets will help you with, which great. But I don't think it fit the theme of far out, at least what I was thinking of. I, I thought it was uh, after watching the presentation, I thought it was uh, like you can go far out, like you can go on these extreme adventures now. Yeah, right. But, you know, the whole star thing just threw me <laughs> off. I, I don't like it. <laughs> we'll have to have a word with Apple marketing about all of this. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we don't have a lot of time left, but should we talk about AirPods Pro? Is there anything interesting to say about those? Yes and no. Mostly no. Um, it is a new chip and it sounds better in terms of active noise cancellation. Uh, that was definitely improved. It's hard to say exactly how much without like having put them side by side. But, you know, it did a pretty good job of silencing a lot of people around me when I was there. But honestly, 
there's like six hours of listening time is the battery life claim that they're saying. That should have been way higher in my opinion because mm. most earbuds these days can get up to nine, sometimes even more. So for Apple to just bump it up slightly is kind of a weird move after several years of not having an AirPods Pro. So overall, I thought that was kind of like a weaker update. But I mean, it's still the AirPods Pro. They're like still pretty good. They, they're very easy to pair with and, you know, they're pretty feature rich and nice if you have other Apple products. So I'm sure it'll sell just as well. Solid. Yeah. You can charge it on a on an Apple Watch puck now too. Yes. Have and you been able to do that or is that I don't think I think I believe that's new. Yeah. Um there's also a speaker in the case now so that if you ever lose the case, you know, it beeps very loudly. Um you know, I, I think getting lost is just the whole theme of this event. <laughs> <laughs> losing your case somewhere, losing yourself somewhere. Yeah, you know, if you're not careful, you may end up drifting all the way to Dynamic Island. Oh, yes. <laughs> God. Yeah. That's a good yeah, that's good. <laughs> there will be there will be two people standing on the beach in white suits welcoming you to Dynamic <laughs> Island. I just can't get over it. All right, well, let's take another break and when we come back we'll do our recommendations. All right. Welcome back. Julian, you've been on the show a bunch of times. You know the routine. You're our guest. You have to give us a recommendation. Tell the people a thing that they might enjoy. Okay. Well, I think a portable display is something that might be worthwhile, especially if you're someone who is hybrid working. Like if you are sometimes going into the office and sometimes working from home, uh, which I think a lot of people are in that weird state right now since a lot of companies are potentially mandating returning to the office and some of them are just not. So uh, portable displays is basically just exactly what it sounds like. It's like a, a monitor, but without the stand, uh, you do get a little case sometimes that to keep it propped up or you can get your own little kickstand and they plug with one single USB-C cable into your laptop and voila, you have a second screen to take with you wherever. They're quite thin usually, so it's not too hard to just stuff it next to your laptop in your backpack. And I like it because I have grown way too accustomed to having multiple screens to work with at home. And so you do have a strong screen game. I do. Home. I have an ultra wide and like a vertical monitor to my left. And that just gives me all the screen space I need for everything at once. And suddenly going on the road and just working off of a tiny laptop screen is just not <laughs> cutting it out for me. I'm, Dude. I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled. <laughs> so now I just hook up. I mean, I look like a douche, uh, I will say. Like I literally go to a coffee shop and I take out my little uh, portable display and <laughs> stick it next to my laptop. So I look like maybe someone from back in the day who would bring their whole desktop computer to a coffee shop or something like that. Sure. But uh, it's nice. I think they're pretty lightweight. They're getting better and nicer looking and sharper. And uh, if you are someone who just likes seeing all of your stuff in multiple different screens, and I think generally second screens like exponentially increase your workflow output and just makes everything easier. So. I strongly recommend. Uh, I guess if you want a specific recommendation, you can go to our work from home gear guide on wired.com. Uh, I am currently using the Espresso uh, display. I don't know why it's called Espresso, but uh, it's one of the thinnest in the world, one of the thinnest displays in the world. And it's very lightweight and um, it is pricey though. It's about $4.99. So. $4.99. Are there cheaper ones? There are a lot cheaper ones. Yeah. There's, uh, I don't know how to say the brand name. I keep forgetting, but it's uh, Innocen. Uh, I-N-N-O-C-N. Yeah. I've tried a couple of their portable displays. It's like innocent. It's like innocent with a silent T. Yes. And they have some very affordable displays, OLEDs even, uh, and 
yeah, I mean, I think any type of screen, it doesn't have to be amazing. It just lets you put a lot of your windows into a different area and lets you multitask. Nice. Yeah. What's what's your recommendation? Uh, I'm going to recommend that, like, maybe don't buy a new phone this year. That's, you know, totally, totally valid advice. Yeah. Like we were talking about this earlier uh, during the presentation, you know, uh, Apple always shows all these slides about how environmentally responsible they are and how they're doing their best to, you know, they don't put chargers in the box anymore. They have minimal packaging now. They've stepped up their use of recycled materials. But every device that you have, like an iPhone or an Android phone or a Pixel phone or an Apple watch or a Garmin watch, no matter what it is. It's going to be using rare earth minerals that are mined. It's going to be using a lot of materials that cannot be and are never recycled. So you're still like not doing the planet any favors by adhering to this upgrade cycle that all of the big tech companies are encouraging us to stick with, right? Like there are people who go out and buy a new iPhone every year. Right. You don't need to do that. No. I mean, even if you're paranoid about having last year's camera, it's still like you're not really getting as much benefit out of the new camera as you might think you are. Right. I mean, maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you're like a professional videographer or something. Right. But that's like the outlier, right? Like most people are just posting to Instagram. And honestly, you're probably not going to notice a difference from last year's iPhone or this year's iPhone. Yeah. Your camera's not going to make you hotter. Just get a ring light. (laughs) But yeah, like obviously you know if you need a new phone, right? right? And if you're missing out on key security features, like if your phone is not supported anymore or if you're still stuck with a phone that doesn't have uh, really good biometric authentication or whatever, uh, or if your battery only lasts three hours, then yeah, get a new phone. But use your phone until you reach that point is what I'm saying. Right. So, you know, it's days like today where – we all feel that like burning desire to buy the new thing. And I'm saying just throw a glass of water on that. Think about the environment and think about how much stuff you buy in general all the time. And our recommendations are often like, hey, buy a thing. So I'm saying, you know, maybe take the money that you would have spent on an iPhone and buy something else that's not going to hurt the environment. (laughs) Sure. Or, you know, nothing. Or nothing. Uh, I mean, I'm proud of our uh, social media editor, uh, Alicia. Uh, she still <laughs> rocks the uh, iPhone 8 Plus. Oh, yes. Uh, the fingerprint sensor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and she was there at our event and it was working fine, you know, flawlessly. So yeah. that is a like, what, four or five-year-old phone. Uh, and yeah, so definitely don't have to upgrade if, you, if your phone is working in perfectly fine right now. But also Alicia might be a bad example because she shoots TikToks for a living and she's I like, I am absolutely getting the new iPhone. That's true. Well, <laughs> I mean, completely valid for her. She's she should she's due an upgrade. All right. So I'll say if you're on the fence and if you're one of those people who always comes up to me at parties and says, should I get the new iPhone? My answer is like, eh, probably not. Yeah. Sorry, but probably not. Like the one you have is probably fine. And if it's not, you know, and just buy a new one. Right. And then use that for five years, maybe four years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Apple supports their devices for a long time. So yeah. five years. Yeah. Sounds good. They're good they're committed to keeping old iPhones in circulation. So honor that. Yeah, exactly. Good good advice. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. And then buy a portable display. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, um, that's all the time we have. Julian, thank you for braving the the beautiful California weather. 
Wonderful weather. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And for joining us. It's going to cool off as soon as you fly home. I know it. Uh, I know it. Yes, of course. Yeah, my partner was saying that it was 70 degrees in New York. And I'm like, how is that possible that New York has better weather right now than San Francisco? It's but called climate change. I know. Because it's, we buy too many phones. It's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. Our producer is Boone Ashworth. We will be back next week. Until then, goodbye. Hi, everyone. Michael from Gadget Lab here. I want to tell you about our friends over at The Big Take podcast from Bloomberg News. Each weekday, they bring you one important story from their global newsroom, like how AI will upend your life or why China's targeting the U.S. dollar and maybe how Joe Biden plans to take on Donald Trump. Oh, boy. Check out The Big Take, a daily podcast from Bloomberg, wherever you listen.